Welcome back to Trader Talk, the podcast that focuses on trading education for beginners and experienced traders. Each episode, we will sit down with a trader to discuss various strategies and tips to improve your edge, as well as the risks associated with trading and investing. Thank you to my sponsor, eToro, for powering this series. eToro makes trading easy by giving quick access to the world's most popular digital currencies with low fees and social trading features in one simple app, allowing you to trade and invest on the go. Hey everyone, welcome back to Trader Talk. I have got another amazing trader here today. Um, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm very pleased to be here. I'm doing amazing. What about you? I'm doing good. So I noticed on your um, on your screen you have Kong Trading. So how do you want me to refer you? Simply as Kong. Okay. Everybody I'll... calls me Kong. I'm I'm the Kong of the market, basically. Uh, can I ask where the nickname came from? Um, basically, it it has a little bit to do with how I look like, and people used to call me uh, the Big Mix Lion, and Basically, then they saw me, how I look like, and they were like, yeah, probably a gorilla suit's a little bit better. And then I was looking for a rebranding, and I was well, I saw the Kong and, and the Kong logo, and I was like, okay, that's it. That's okay. it. Yeah, it's so funny because as, I don't know if the audience knows this, but on crypto Twitter, a lot of people are anonymous. A lot of people have very interesting yeah, yeah. Um, avatars that sometimes reflect who they are in real life. So. <laughs> Quite, quite a few interesting avatars, especially some, some that you take a look at, you're like, okay, that, that looks a little bit sketchy to be honest. So. Right, right. Okay. So let's go ahead and get into it and talk trading and talk about all the really cool things you're doing. So first and foremost, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, give a little bit of background to kind of to just to who you are in general. So I'm basically Kong. I am right now in Germany, located in Germany, and uh, I'm 23 years old. I have a background in uh, finance and trading so far as I was working for a company and had a small company as a market maker. We were having customers where we were providing liquidity for um, some exchanges, some personal customers. And with that, I just got a lot of experience in margin trading. And this is what I pursue right now. Okay. So you're very young. Pretty much. No, it's very. It's a common goal in crypto. There's a lot. Of, I'm. I'm very old, so there's a. That's a common goal in crypto to have a lot of young, talented people in the space. So let's go ahead and talk a, bit, a little bit about like how did you get into trading? Like how long have you been trading? What do you trade? Like that type of stuff. Because I'm very curious to, um, to find out. So the actually how I got into trading was something that we can see right now on Prime XBT and it gives me a little bit of nostalgia. It's is the Turbo project um, um, module that they have. And basically I got into trading whenever I was 16 years old through binary auctions and I okay. think it was on plus 500. So I put in a few, a few hundred bucks into it and then I was just like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Obviously I didn't. And then binary options just sounded so cool. Okay, I mean, I can make like 80, 80% of what I put into it or just lose it. And then basically got uh, kind of hooked on that. And I, I, I like the idea uh, of making money by clicking on buttons more or less. That was basically the understanding of, of, a, of a 16 year old mm -hmm. and then got more and more involved into that. At some point I got um, pretty much scammed into Bitcoin because I bought the very top of 2014. And I was like, dude, oh, what the, what the hell am I doing here? Like the first time that I heard about Bitcoin, I was at, I, I, I know exactly 
um, I heard it about in the news in 2014, pretty much also. And it was a 312 euros or some, or some shenanigans like that. And I was like, who, who, who would pay 312 to get one? And I was like, that, that, that didn't make sense for me. I was like, okay, well, uh, who, who would do that? And then the friend of mine who was using some different platforms, everybody knows about that. He told me more about it. He was like, hey man, it's super cool. You, you don't have any restrictions on that, yada, yada, yada. I was like, okay, well, let me get a few Bitcoins at Apple. So a few thousand bucks into it. And then basically held through the whole dump edge in, into 2016 and then got more and more involved into the whole space and marketing. Everything. So how did you learn, I guess? Like, how did you actually learn to trade? Because trading is a little bit different than binary options. Because binary options, I want to say you just press, like you said, you press a button, like a price is going to go up or down. And you could make money if the market moves that way. But trading is a little bit more technical. So I actually, the, in, in the very beginnings, I was looking up uh, financial models. I was looking up technical analysis. I was trying to get an edge that many people don't have. And this is, this is pretty much what trading is about for me, having the edge and having the advantage over the other market participants. Because at the end, I want to take the money from you and everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing in a market. So we kind of, we are, we're kind of all, all of us are pretty much in a, in a warfare uh, between each other. And we're looking for an edge. We're, 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 we're all looking to have some form of advantage against, against the others to get a better entry, to get a better average entry and um, get paid for the difference. Okay. Was there any type of like books or like tools that you learned how to trade? Like, cause I know me when I first started, I ordered two books off eBay and that's how I, that's initially how I started. I pretty much started watching uh, videos on on YouTube, as stupid as it sounds. And no, it's not. Stu it's totally not stupid because there's so much free content on YouTube. And I feel like is. I feel like your generation and even like some of my generation, like we are very visual. Like we're so used to having like all of this information and like pushing our faces so fast to you that YouTube is like perfect for to learn things because there's so many really cool people like myself that's on, I'm just kidding, like myself that's on YouTube that's creating content that's trying to break things down. Um, some of these, because some trading um, tactics and strategies are very complex. Like a lot of the indicators, people don't understand how math-based or math-heavy they are. That's true, but here's also the thing. There, there's a lot of good content and a lot of uh, real valuable information, but in the beginning, whenever you start looking out there, um, you get, you, you, you basically get into all of these clickbaity videos mm -hmm. and most of these clickbaity videos, they don't have the content that you really need. Correct. Most of the videos that you want to be watching have like, I don't know, thousand or maybe some, some have like 300 views and they get real deep into it. But most of the people are just like, yeah, fuck it. Like, I, I don't care what this guy is talking about. I don't understand it. And this is where you actually get into the math, get into the calculations. You're like, okay, now that actually makes sense. Mm -hmm. You get once again models and everything that, that is connected to it more or less. So as far as trading, do you just trade crypto or do you trade traditional markets as well? Or like options? Or are you still doing binary options? Like what, what do you trade? I used, I used to trade um, traditional markets more. 
but uh, after after seeing 2016, the the pretty much the, the highest volatility that, that you can get, I just stick to uh, stick to crypto because a, a trader's bread and butter is the volatility, mm-hmm. and in this market we we have so much volatility, and in my eyes this market is still it, it is still the wild west of what of what the legacy markets were I don't know pretty much a hundred years ago. You, you, you could be able to, to make some comparisons, comparisons like that. You can, you can talk to your friends, you have paid groups, you have um, pump and dump groups. You have Don't join all, those guys. No, no, of course not. But like you have all sorts of shenanigans that you can still use, which is absolutely not regulated. Um, and uh, this, is, this is why I just stick to, um, to crypto. But now, once again, some some new exchanges are coming out. They're combining crypto and legacy markets. And so I'm from time to time, whenever I see a super good opportunity where I'm like, okay, I have a um, really good um, chance of success for this trade of like 80%. I'm going to just be taking this um, trade on SPX, for example. Let's talk about it. You said the word opportunity. How do you um, find a setup? Like what is your, what is your like ritual for doing that? So my, uh, my ritual is, is sticking to, to playing candle by candle analysis. And this is always how I start. I do candle by candle analysis. I get, I get the general gist and I look at the trend. I look at where are my support resistances. Well, basically I, I, I tend to keep, to keep my technical analysis as simple as possible because that was, that was also one of the reasons why I got, why I got public with my analysis and everything that I do. I, I was looking at some analysis on TradingView and they were just, you, you literally needed an encyclopedia to, to understand what these guys were talking about. Mm-hmm. There's just so much shenanigans on the chart that you don't even know what's happening there. So r- literally trying to keep it as simple as possible. And then uh, using my, my own index, my own algorithm, my own indicator to basically get them the the into the entries and get the the last confirmation that um, that I then basically know okay now we have this this and this formation I am looking for a break of resistance for example and now my algorithm is giving a, a buy signal and at that point I'm like okay I have a possibility of success like 80 percent plus I mean. Let's talk a little bit about your indicator that you just mentioned, because that kind of sounds like that's your edge um, to trading. Sure. So I created MCAS, which pretty much stands for uh, Market Forecast or the Market Kong Algo Simple Trader, trying to make algorithmic trading as simple and as possible as easy, the same as my TA. Mm-hmm. And um, it is based upon the TJ index. The TJ index is a complete unique a combination out of 15 indicators made into an index and then basically translated into buy and sell signals to make it as easy as possible. That sounds very complex. It is complex and the, um, for, for me, it was pretty complex to code it and to, to come up with the whole model behind the index and to come up with like, nobody has ever done it before. So I was literally standing weeks on weeks there trying to figure out to figure out how I was even get, getting it into code. And um, I, had, I had some issues here and there, but at the end, 
the product was done and I tried to make the product for, for the end user as simple as possible. Uh, I see. Okay. So is that your edge to trading? It, uh, you could, you could call it an edge to, uh, uh, the, the edge of mine to trading. So let's talk about, um, not the MCAS indicator, not your custom indicator, but you said it's like based off of a flow of like 15 different in indexes. Can you talk exactly. about that a little bit? Cause this is the first time on my show. I think you're episode 12. I want to say, mm -hmm. um, I don't, I'd have to check. I've recorded a lot of them, but what, that's the first time I heard someone use like an index to kind of as an indicator. So if you want to talk about that and maybe explain it in layman's terms, if that's possible. So basically you have, um, you take, you, you take a set of indicators. Like normally you would have, you would look at RSI, MACD, maybe Ichimoku or some shenanigans like that. Just a few indicators. You look at them and then you're like, okay, well, three out of these four indicators are bullish. That one is looking kind of wacky, so I might I might still be taking this trip. Mm -hmm. Now, what I did, I took 15 indicators and conditions, like uh, um, so. So okay, we we were saying all right now, um, the Ichi Cloud is bullish. That that's for example a one one of the conditions. Obviously, the Ichi Cloud is um, changed in value, so it's not as as standard as possible. Obviously, so. Then you got, you got all of these 15 indicators and values and conditions and you put them into one index. So basically you're saying, all right, now uh, at the moment, 10 out of 15 of these indicators which are in, in the index are bullish. Okay. Five of them are bearish. And with that, you're, you're kind of um, able to, to understand and see where where the market is heading to and where where the general direction is going to if the index is trending you want to be you want to be going with with the trend if the index is uh, overbought or at the very top and, and showing overbought signs obviously in overbought and oversold conditions you can expect impulsive moves mm -hmm. but as soon as you start to leave the overbought or, or the oversold condition you can pretty much say all right we're looking for a reversal or for a retrace, et cetera, et cetera. My question about that is, is a lot of indicators are lagging, like moving averages kind of can be lagging, like RSI, stochastic, like all that kind of stuff. And they can also sit in overbought or oversold for a quite, you know, quite a long time. I forget what trade I was looking at, but there was, there was a trade and I remember stochastic RSI was in like overbought for like, a long, long time. And I can't, yeah. I just remember I was doing like weekly updates and I just remember telling everybody like, you know, we're still an overbought, we're still an overbought. So how does, how does, like, how does that come into play? Like, you know. So here's the thing, within, within overbought or oversold conditions, you can definitely expect um, impulsive moves. This is where you look for, for, the, for the biggest moves to the upside or to the downside. I now, see, okay. As long as you're still inside of this overbought condition, basically you're still super bullish and you're still are able to get these impulsive moves. But as soon as you, for example, especially for the stochastic RSI, as soon as you leave the 90 point range, uh, the 100 to 90 point range, whenever you start leaving that, then you know exactly, or pretty much with the, with the highest chance possible, you know that, um, most likely now your your nice and strong uptrend is ending and you're looking for a reversal. Okay. 
that makes sense. So you have to you have to be leaving out of the overbought or oversold positions. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense because that's something that a lot of people, like at least like newer traders that I talk to, they're like, oh yeah, well, this is overbought or oversold. I'm like, yeah, but that's a lagging indicator. Like just because it's overbought or oversold doesn't mean the market is going to move right now. And sometimes yeah. like the market, like let's say, like sometimes the market will still pump or still dump, yeah. like when you're in overbought or oversold. So you miss moves is because you're focusing tri primarily on a specific indicator. And that's why like some of the best advice I can give you guys right now, it's good if you're using indicators or price action or candlesticks, it's good to have like two or three like conditions that need to be met before you pull that trigger. Like to get into exactly. a, to get into position. So that's just, that's just me though. So question, do you want to talk about your best and worst trade? Yes, uh, we can, we can, we can definitely talk about that. So um, <laughs> really, really, really quick. The funniest thing with this question is, is every time I ask, like, cause I, you guys know, I'm going to ask this question, but every single time I ask it, like when we're getting ready to like, to put it out there, everybody's face is like, <sighs> yeah, yeah. That it, it it literally brings up some um, some some emotions and some um, mm -hmm. well things that you remember. Some things that you don't exactly. It, sometimes you don't want to be remembering that. Sometimes you're like, okay, that was pretty cool. So I would say let's start with the with the best trade, and okay. that was um, that was based upon a a, a simple theory about. Um, once again on BitMEX, obviously, and um, that was 2019 in August, um, where whenever, no, no uh, 18, sorry, whenever we were getting um, the double top around 8.4, 8.2, and we got a pretty huge sell vault sitting at 8.3K. Now, I texted a buddy of mine, I was like, look, we're pretty much at um, 82.50. What about we enter a 75x short and have our stop loss behind behind that um, behind that sell wall? Because that sell wall was pretty huge. It was sitting there for multiple days. So this is one thing how to identify actual sell walls, not not just some fake sell walls. So they have to be like I think it was like 26 or 20 or like 36 million. Of a cell wall, and basically, you know exactly if this cell wall breaks, then it's just gonna be flying to the upside. So, 75x short, obviously, completely over leveraged, way too much margin into it, which we then realized uh, after the fact. And um, yeah, we entered, we entered the short. So we get so we get the ETF denial message and it immediately starts dumping to like 6k and it starts going down to like below 6k and we're still in the short for like $3000 on 75x and that was just the absolute craziest day ever that we that we had and ever seen so that was pretty much amazing wow that is it was <sighs> that, that that sounds very risky it was very risky and it was pretty stupid, but that's that's how that's how we made it to the to the best trade. That was basically one one of the bonus trades that you get, like I don't know, once a right. year or some shit. What about so, your worst trade? Worst trade was actually the drop um, a few months later. So best trade and worst trade, pretty much together. The drop from um, 
break of support of 6k very long got got into some trouble there um lost uh lost quite a few quite a few bdc on 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 that on that drop um tried to catch uh try to catch a bounce back up to 6k and uh it just continued dumping to like four and then 3k so um yeah fun those are always fun times i think i was yeah. um i was short when we had that massive move up like a couple months back um when price pumped like 50 percent or 40 yeah. percent. i just got i lost a lot of my trading stack and yeah. it's just like and everyone's well, like everyone's like why didn't you listen to me i was like because i don't i follow yeah. my own stuff but it, it just hurts when that happens yeah i mean the the market conditions of that at, at that point were just ridiculous you had you had like one percent volatility a day and everybody was trading at least 15 or 25 x that i knew because otherwise we were like oh, we're making like five percent come okay. so yeah so um on my channel, I talk about risk management a bit. Um, if yes. you guys do decide you want to margin trade, I always recommend um, using like Bybit's testnet or BitMEX testnet, any website or any exchange that does have a testnet. Um, try to do that. Um, I prefer Bybit. Um, but also to you guys, you don't need 25 times leverage. Definitely. So this is this is the thing that I that I talk a lot about, and um, in for example in the bird nest, I. I always, always tell people to, to keep their lever, uh, keep the leverage at three X mm -hmm. and, um, having the leverage at three X is basically all, all that you need. And, um, here's the thing about risk management that, that I like a lot. And that is the, the definition and understanding of the 1990-90 rule. So the 1990-90 rule says basically that 90% of the retail traders will lose 90% of their deposit margin within 90 days. Wow. And yeah, it, it, is, it, is, it is sadly uh, very, very true. And we definitely know a lot of people who, who definitely fall, fall for that rule. And um, anything that goes into risk management in my eyes, I am I'm trying to defy this rule. I'm, I'm asking myself, am I falling into this 90-90-90 rule or am I in the 10% which are basically going to end up profit? Mm -hmm. And for me, my, my edge of, of risk management is having uh, three, three margin accounts. One, okay. one small account for just fucking around scalps and stupid stupid trades like 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 we just mentioned then a mid time frame account for like small small swing trades between one hourly and four sometimes six hourly trades and then a higher time frame account and each month i move the profits of each account i move them up into the next account and then basically the higher time frame account which has the lowest leverage the lowest risk expo exposure has the most cash and um basically the profits of that i move it into a ledger and these are the profits that i live on nice so, that's actually a really that's an interesting technique i've never heard anyone or 
interesting edge. I haven't heard anyone come on my show talk about that, but it's pretty cool that, um, that you're able to do that. And I think also too, it makes you disciplined um, that you're actually not, because some people like even what I do, like I'll close a trade out um, and then I'll just keep, I'll keep using that stack over and over again, but it's good yeah. to actually take your profits and then move them over so that you do cash them out or you do, you know, however you want to invest them later on. So you can kind of manage that a little bit better. So that's pretty interesting. Um, next question. Um, what advice would um, Big Kong give Little Kong? So what advice would you give yourself now um, to Baby Kong when Baby <sighs> Kong started trading at 16 oh, or whatever age you started trading? What would you go oh, back and say? I would, I would definitely say to, um, all right. So, so here's the advice to, to make your first 100 trades mm -hmm. using exactly $100. Okay. Just, just get, just get that, that, that base set up, get that, get, get that risk management into your brain. So you, you take out of all of the emotions, but because with a hundred dollars, no matter how cool or how big the opportunity is going to be, you're not going to be making millions. You're not going to be making thousands and thousands of dollars, but you're also not going to be losing thousands and thousands of dollars. So you get the basing, you take out all of the emotions. And then basically after you see, all right, I'm doing great. You step it up to $500 and a thousand dollars then $5,000, $10,000 and so on. Nice. That's actually a good idea too for risk management. So, cause a lot of people think, especially in crypto, you guys, if you're on crypto Twitter and you have people, you see a lot of these big accounts and they're telling you, Oh, if you don't trade with this amount, then you're not really trading. You trade what you feel comfortable with. Like I talk about this on the show all the time. Me personally, when I'm trade, when I'm margin trading, I will use a couple hundred dollar positions because that's where that's my comfort zone. I do better when I'm trading with smaller positions. My spot trades are larger. Like I'll use, I'm not going to dox how much I use, but they're a lot, 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 lot larger. And I feel comfortable and I do, I tend to do better that way. So whatever works for you, find, the, find a strategy that works and then and do it. And don't let somebody tell you, oh, if you're trading this amount, you're not a real trader. Or if you're, you know, you have to trade one Bitcoin per trade to actually make money. Just follow, follow what you feel comfortable doing and work your way up. And when you, if you're able to get to that point, then, you know, you use more Bitcoin or, you know, investment, whatever it is. So here's the thing. Most of the people that are already trading, they're going to be trading for at least another four or five, maybe even 10 years. Mm -hmm. Like, you know it, I know it, everybody else who's trading, we all know it. We are hooked on this. We're, we're definitely hooked. We, we, we like making money. Exactly. So why, why, why rush things? If you, if you know exactly that you're going to be trading for the next 10 years, if it's going to be crypto or traditional markets, nobody, nobody cares what you're trading, but you're going to be trading something. And there's no need in rushing things. And literally anybody with, with 0.1 BTC can start out and within the next five to 10 years, they can literally get easily to 100 BTC by simply following their risk management, by simply doing consistent trades. And as I was saying, dividing the strategies up, taking profits, because you, you're, you're going to be having some trades that, that, that you want to fuck around with. You, you, you're going to be seeing some, some opportunities on a 15-minute chart and you want to be taking the scalp. But you can't because your higher time frame position from like two weeks back is still going on. So what do you do? Do you just close out or do you just miss out on a, on a smaller trade uh, on, the, on the smaller opportunity? So everybody has, has a possibility. Don't rush things. 
there's no need for that. And all the people who are already at these big positions, they all started with smaller positions. One hundred percent true. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. And before you get going, um, why don't you go ahead and show yourself? Do you want to talk a little bit more about your indicator? Obviously, people will follow you on Twitter. I'm going to have your handle, all your links below. Do you have a group? Like anything you want to show? So basically, the the things that I would want to show is MCAST. It's the MCAST indicator that you can find on MCAST.io. And um, that is, that is the algorithm that I developed and it's, I'm, I'm adding more algorithms, I'm adding more tools into it. So MCAS is basically a trading tool within, you have 15 different indicators inside of one indicator that you can also use. Um, it, is, it is basically making the, the trading as simple as possible. And obviously the second thing would be the bird nest where I provide uh, daily content about margin trading, about my experiences as a market maker and my insight as a market maker in their the webinars and stuff like that. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time. Um, anything else you want to leave us with? I want to really leave you with the, with the, with the remark to, to stick to your rules. Keep in mind that trading is a warfare and you start out slow, you build your army, you build your foundation, and you try to get an edge and the advantage against all, uh, everybody else. Awesome. Well, Kong, thank you so much for your time. Have a great rest of your day.